In the fast-paced world of today's marketplace, are you looking at your business and wondering, what will it take to get known and drive traffic? This is Your Business Matters Show, the place where your host, Kevin Yoon, shines the spotlight on industry leaders to discover the power of business matters to share the insight that can positively impact your bottom line. Success is not about knowing your business matters. It is what you're doing with what you know. Turn up the sound and get ready for Your Business Matters Show. Here's your host, Kevin Hewn. Have you got an idea for a product? Have you found a better way to make something? I was told years ago that ideas are a dime a dozen. It's what you do with those ideas that actually matter. Today's episode is all about taking an idea from concept to practical use and then becoming a viable business. And what I'm most excited about is this. Um, I believe this is one of the great Canadian stories of our recent time. For over 20 years, Scott Van Horn has worked endlessly in perfecting skates. He's a former member of the Canadian National Speed Skating Team, where he won national and North American championships. Scott holds a bachelor's degree and master's in biomechanics from the University of Calgary. His entrepreneurial journey started with him trying to improve his own skates. Today, his passion of making a quality skate a product that has been around for over 100 years is now setting the standard for quality in speed skating and ice hockey. Becoming a leader and sought-after expert in an established market is no easy challenge, and I wanted to share this incredible journey of an entrepreneur with you. So let me welcome Scott Van Horn. Scott, thanks for taking the time to be on the show today. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me. So when you started making skates, Scott, was your goal to create a business and then become a leader in that uh, industry? (laughs) Uh, you, I'd have to say no. Uh, I started uh, monkeying around with skates when I was uh, 12, 13. Um, but my story kind of starts with I've got very odd feet, very, very flat. And But as a kid, you don't know that I have an abnormality. You assume all feet are like that. And then I would wear skates and they never fit and I couldn't figure it out. But I had to do something about it. So I was constantly taking my own skates apart, stuffing foam in, cutting things out, adding things just to make them tolerable. And then as I got a little older, I realized, oh, my feet aren't normal. They're very abnormal. And that's why skates don't fit me because nobody else is doing this. But in doing so, I started to learn about the inner workings of a skate and actually how they were made. And it just started, it created my creative process started. And, and I just became more interested in it. And eventually I hit a point where I fully took a pair apart, put them back together and realized, well, this isn't rocket science. I, I, I could do this and, I, and I, I feel like I could do it better. And the funny thing is, is I had that level of arrogance back when I was, I guess, 15, 16, but we all do, right? at that age, it, we it all kept do. me on the path. <laughs> we all do at that age, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I really, back then is when I started experimenting with, and I wasn't doing it all the time, you know, during the summer, uh, my, uh, my parents were pretty uh, nice about letting me use uh, half the garage. I would, my dad had a workbench out there, so I started monkeying around a lot in the summer times and was creating things. And the more things I created, the more excited I got about it, and the more things I created after that point. And uh, and it just kind of kept going, but it wasn't it wasn't nonstop. I you know I'd work on it in the summer and then you know go to school and have speed skating season. I wouldn't really do much then, and then come back in the summer. Oh, what did I work on last summer? And it it kept building like that. Um, one of the other challenges I had is is when I was developing it, this was back in the, uh, I guess, the early 90s, like 90, 91. The internet didn't exist back then. If you actually wanted to gain knowledge into something, you had to go find a book at the library or you had to yep. find an expert that could teach you. 
Um, I, I imagine if, if a, a kid, a 15-year-old kid was trying to learn how to make skates today, they could go online and in an hour learn what I'd learned in 10 years. So <laughs> th- <laughs> things were very different back then. But <laughs> I also had a lot of strokes of luck where I, I met, uh, there was, I'm, I grew up in Winnipeg, so I met a local guy who was working with carbon fibers and he, he taught me about carbon fiber and the epoxies you use and the function and the science behind it. And there's little, little snippets along the way where if you have a stroke of luck, it propels you because that propelled me to the next level. And then I kind of continued along. And so let's do this, Scott. Let's, so everybody get a picture. Today, the company is one of the best skate manufacturers in the world. So I'm, I'm fast forwarding because I'm going to show people how this overnight success only took mm-hmm. about what, 25, 30 years? <laughs> well, ex- exactly, exactly, yeah. And, and it's funny, I went through cycles too where I, I always had my speed skate business because that's basically what paid the bills. And then I would do, I did a few offshoots where I actually started developing a hockey skate originally in uh, 2005 with a, a different company. I, was, I had ownership and, and it was a partnership. And, and that was my first generation. That's where I learned a lot. And we actually had the opportunity, or I had the opportunity to set up a factory and really, you know, take it to the next level. Then I ended up walking away from the company and going back to my speed skate company. That company ended up selling, and and now it's it's done. But the funny thing is, I kind of moved into this big factory, and then when I walked away, I was back in my basement again. So I went through a few cycles of, in my basement, in my garage, in a factory, back in my basement, back in my garage, in another factory. I went through that cycle probably three times. Wow. All right, let's. So, for I, I like to give my listeners always like kind of hands-on practical things they can use. Let's talk a little bit about kind of that journey where you were, you know, you were the entrepreneur. You know, you got the spirit of like I got to create this widget product thing, and in, in mm-hmm. our case, it's skates because it's dear to my heart because I love hockey so much. But you know, yeah. as an entrepreneur, you go, hey man, I think I've got this thing that's going to better. What are some of the things that, looking back now, I guess that you're glad you did, and maybe what you should have done. A couple of Let's go down a couple of those. <laughs> well, it, it, it's funny. I mean, I don't know if this answers your question exactly, but I think an entrepreneur can appreciate it. I did hit a fork in the road. I, you had asked originally, did I always think I was going to build skates and make a revolutionary skate? No, I was just trying to solve a problem. I, I had a problem. I solved it, and then it sparked interest, and I continued and, and ended up developing a skate that, that the mass market would uh, would have an appetite for. But along the road... I always wanted to be a doctor. My my dad was a doctor. So I thought, okay, well, that's what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to do this on the side. And, and I went through and I did my undergraduate degree. And then I did a master's degree, the whole point of preparing myself to go to med school. And literally at the end of the master's degree, the business was doing so well. That's where I hit the fork. And I thought, okay, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to go down that path or am I going to go down that path? And that's where wow. I made a critical life decision. It went down the path of entrepreneur versus the path of being a doctor. And uh, and, and it's funny. And then well, after that point, there was a 10-year span where I had definitely moments of, of lament and remorse, thinking, hmm, I think I might have chosen the wrong path. <laughs> but then in the end, I can say that I'm pretty confident I chose the right path. So that's the thing to understand is, is you're going to go through times where you question yourself and, and you, know, you need to be able to persevere and, and trust that you made the right decision. Yep. Love it. Um, hands on, like uh, a couple of things we've had in previous conversations. So maybe talk a little bit about the hands-on experience you had, like you had said, and I love this, and maybe we can talk a little bit about it, is you got to kind of do everything in your business. Mm-hmm. It's not just about making the skates, and you're the skate expert, and you'll let everybody else do everything. It's like, you know, you got to get your hands in on kind of everything, right? Yeah. 
I'm finally at the point in my career where I can be just the skate expert and I can just develop skates and do the research behind it and, and everything that I think I add most value to the company for. Back in the early days, you're, you're either on your own or maybe you got a partner or two. And what I learned is that you have to be able to be mediocre to good at just about everything and excellent at a few things. And for me, I had to learn accounting. I had to do a lot of my own accounting and then, and then eventually I worked with an accountant and then eventually I could pass it off. Um, you got to be the janitor, you know, <laughs> you, you, you got you to gotta be the shipper receiver. Like you need to, you need to understand uh, all of the different aspects of what your business does. And if you do that, then you're going to be a better leader when you start to bring more people on. Yeah, that makes sense. Hindsight, uh, Scott, like what would you have kind of done different or what would you give guidance to someone who's in that phase where they've they've solved the problem, they kind of got the product, you know, they're they're doing pretty good and they think they're ready to go to market or they're just, just starting in the market in that phase, kind of like some maybe, you know what, think about this because it's kind of or maybe a gap for you or something you might not think about. Well, for me, I've always kind of done a top-down approach where I would design a product and then get it on top because it's sporting goods on top athletes. And you're going to know real fast if you're close or if you're far away. So in certain other industries, that won't make sense. But in, in sporting goods, if you can go top down, get it on the top athletes, first of all, you're going to know if your product's working. And second of all, then you're going to get exposure from the, from the larger market that'll then have an appetite for the product and want to buy it. If you start from the bottom up, so you say, well, I'm going to, I want to design skates. So I'm going to start with an entry level skate and we'll see how that goes. And then, you know, if that's successful, I'll do a mid and then I'll do a high. I think that's a much more expensive, much longer road. Yep. Got, got it. But potentially and, an easier road. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, no it's, and listen, everybody's going to be on their journey, but it's always nice to hear because sometimes ideas from someone who's gone through it. It's like, you know what, I'm sort of maybe facing the same frustration or, you know, and I thought, geez, I hadn't thought about it. And you come in and mm-hmm. you provide that inspiration. Now, for those listening, like what Scott has done is he's done the point of had the business, got his own. And then, Scott, you sold it. Maybe talk a little bit about that process as to when you said, yeah, it's time for me to, you know, exit as the owner, yeah. per se. Well, and, and that's something you got to consider from the beginning, like when, that fork in the road that I hit. When I took my, when I went down the path of being an entrepreneur, I also knew like every penny I made was going to go back into the business. It had to, otherwise it wasn't going to grow. And I had to work the 80 hours, so I couldn't do anything else to build any income. It all had to come from the company. And I realized that either I'm going to have to work for the rest of my life, which I had actually come to terms with, or <laughs> if I do want to retire, I need an exit strategy. So uh, it, it wasn't that I that I built the business to sell. I think that's a that's a flawed path. I think you have to build the business to be successful. And if it is, selling it's easy. So I wasn't building it to sell, but I always thought if the opportunity presented itself, I would have to seriously consider it. And actually, as the, as the success grew, a few different opportunities presented itself, presented themselves, I should say. But uh, True ultimately ended up acquiring the company, and, and they were just, for me, they were a perfect fit. And, and the, the other thing that I think maybe people or at least in my scenario, what happened is it's not overnight. It's it's a long process. It's two mm-hmm. years of doing a dance. And then when you've decided, okay, we're going to go ahead and you're pretty close on terms, it still took another 12 months before it actually closed. Mm. Yeah. And so this is valuable info. You, you hit on a couple of things. there. One of them I want to talk about is you had the passion and excitement, joy, whatever the positive feeling words around improving a product. This was not you going, 
yeah, I think the market needs a better skate, so I better be that so I can make the money and make all the – like, I think this yeah. is where people fail. And I think in today's marketplace, everybody's looking for the how do I go get a bunch of seed money or how do I, you know, create this business that somebody will buy me out for a million dollars and, I can, you know, I can retire for the rest of my life. It's it's you better like, and I'm assuming you do. You gotta like that product slash thing you do, right? Would you say that that's oh, the yeah. key absolutely. thing? Yeah. Yep. You spend a yeah, lot of absolutely. hours, right? You, you, oh yeah, you gotta love the product. It, it, you first of all, the product has to make you happy, and then hopefully it'll make other people happy, and, and likely it will make other people happy. So yeah, I mean that's key. But I think the, the other thing is, I grew the business without actually bringing an investment. So I, I was able to, every pair of skates I, I made, money went back in. Uh, you know, I sold 10 pairs of skates, got a new sewing machine. Sold another 10 pair, got a different machine. Sold another 10 pair, brought in uh, a, a full roll of carbon fiber instead of a couple yards. Like every dollar went back into growing it. And then I, I did take on investors prior to, uh, it was a couple years before the actual acquisition. And for me, I kind of hit a hit a ceiling where I wasn't comfortable growing anymore with my own money. I wanted I wanted some outside funds and outside expertise because I think I had hit a threshold of my expertise as far as um, high level business development. Like to, you need to have the right guy on your side to be able to do a big deal. Uh, I think if you if you try to do it on your own and you don't have that expertise or experience, the buyer is going to see that and you're going to get a lot less for your company. Yeah. When when did you think, Scott, that you like, okay, I know we've got it. Like, we've got the right product, like, you know, the process in place, everything's going. Was there a point where you kind of, is it because of volume? Was it because of revenue? Was it because of staff you had? Like, what was kind of that, maybe that teeter point where you went, you know what, I think we're, we know we've got it. Like, we own it now. We're good. I don't know if I ever hit that teeter point. I think I, I always was a little, was losing sleep at night. I was always a little nervous. I always worried about everything that could possibly go wrong. And that's a hard, uh, that's a big burden to carry. So I don't know if, if I hit a distinct point like that. I knew I knew I was doing something well when we had uh, our first 16 to 20 NHL players using the skate. Mm. That's when I knew that we were, we were, their momentum was going to build. Yeah. And from a, from a business perspective, like as you were bringing on your team, um, what was, talk a little bit about what that was like, because this is your baby. You've done it, and now you're bringing on people, and you're like, man, are they going to do it with the same kind of passion and joy and excitement I have? Or it's like, ah, oh, you know, was there that apprehension a little bit in the beginning? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I value loyalty, and there's some, some guys that I had worked with on and off for many, many years, and we always kept in touch. And when I had the opportunity where this company was growing and I needed staff, I brought all my trusted guys back in. And, and because we had worked together and worked so well together, as soon as they could, they jumped on board. Um, beyond that, growing the staff, uh, that's an interesting challenge too. And I think a lot of business owners that grow quickly, it's one of their biggest challenges. And the only, or the main advice I would give there is uh, hiring through uh, reference of internally. So what I mean by that is, is if you have 10 employees, you go to them all and say, we need to hire another guy. Here's the role. Who do you guys know? So we mm. grew our workforce entirely through that we never had to do any job posting so it didn't cost us any money to hire and everyone that got hired was vouched for by someone else that worked in the company so i mean that's a big piece of advice just to give to people absolutely that's a powerful strategy right there would you if you were doing it all over again scott would you do the same thing 
in in the current iteration that ended up selling to True, absolutely. Uh, I yeah. I think things came together very well. We are our, our staffing like we have great staff and, and almost well, I shouldn't say no issues, but very few issues compared to other companies. Like our, we're almost at 50 employees right now. Right. Yeah. And this, so this is really cool. I, I, this is why I say it's such a, I think, a, a next Canadian success story because well, here we are, 2019, and there's a lot of people thinking, oh, has everything been invented? Is you know, unless it's AI or computer technology, like there's nothing that's, I'll call it the canned, the, you know, the pencil, right, or the paper. Like we, yeah, we yeah. use this, we use this. Here you come along and create this skate that now, what do we add? About, would you say about 25% of the NHL players are using it? Uh, about thereabouts, give or take, bigger well, about 700 about, players. Well, about 125 out of uh, more like 15 percent. All right, still, so got, it's a, it's a like, good number. Like, that's significant. Like here we are in a marketplace where everybody knew, and I, you know, I just use other brands because it's my show. But you know, there's Graf and Bauer and CCM. Like these have been around for years, like 100 years. Like some of these skates have been yeah. around, and here you guys come yeah. along lately and go, no, this is the skate, and you revolutionized mm. really how skates were being built. I mean, there's videos online. If you you know, if you're watching and listening to this, go a chance and look up Scott Van Horn and and the skate design. It's from the foot outside, right? Like I don't know how to word it properly, but you know, Scott, maybe talk about. It. It's like you're building from the inside out, not the outside in. Exactly, and that's the, that's a big thing you'll hear a lot about, and we're, we're doing more promotion for it because we really want to make sure that the the buying public actually understands it. So our skate's built from the inside out, and so you start with the foot last and the foot last is designed based off of your 3d scan tradition. I could go on and on about how skates <laughs> are made, but traditionally skates are lasted and there's a bunch of pieces that are kind of formed and bent together. And a traditional skate might use three different foot forms to create the one shape. We have one foot form that's dialed exactly to your 3d last 3d scan, sorry. And then we build it layer by layer from the inside out on that individual foot form, not on a bunch of different ones. That gets you just a truer fit, pardon the pun. And, yeah, uh, and then good. on top of that, it's, it's a full carbon fiber wrap on the outside. So the shell is a one piece. So there's no kind of decoupling or movement from all these different layers that are sandwiched and tacked and pressed together. Yeah. And I mean, like for any anybody that skates a lot, like, you know, anybody listening to this, if you skate like once a week for an hour rec hockey, they may not be the ideal skates for you, and you know, Sky, you can chime in. But I mean, it's more of this is like somebody that goes, "Hey, I want to skate," and like you know, I'm I'm skating whether it's speed skating, figure skating, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, hockey. You're out there. You want something on your foot that you're not going to go, "Oh, my feet hurt." And I I remember mm-hmm. seeing something on one of the videos where you said people are like, "Well, I thought the feet always hurt in skates." <laughs> well, and, and that's and that's the consensus. That's what the public. I think did think, and now we're helping to teach them that they don't, your feet don't have to hurt. Uh, like a mm. funny story for us, it's important that the people selling the skate actually understand the skate. And uh, mm-hmm. so I was taking them through the full process of making the skate. And then I had to take a break and I'm like, Hey, I got, I got some customers coming in. Why don't you come and watch the whole process of, of, of getting all the foot measurements and everything. And he's like, well, where did they come from? I'm like Toronto. <laughs> he's like, what? These guys flew in from Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they came in. And there were two gentlemen in their 70s. So th- this was this was back, you know, four or five years ago when we were just getting going. These guys heard about me, and and, and so the the new business partner said, "What the hell are you guys doing here? Why would you fly from Toronto to get these skates?" And I said, 
because we don't want our feet to hurt anymore. We're, we're done. We want, we want comfortable skates. So to get answer back to your point, like these guys would have been playing once or twice a week. They just, they had the money and they just wanted better skates. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's, that's, that's beautiful story. Love it. Uh, Scott, let's uh, find, uh, let me know, or let's let the people listening, how they can find out more about uh, what you got going on uh, with true hockey. And if, you know, they can reach out to you and find out more about, you know, great skates. Well, the the best thing is just go to the website, truehockey.com, and on there you'll see all the products. I mean, we don't just make great skates. We make great sticks. I uh, really like the gloves. We're getting uh, – we have protective line now. We're we're really trying to develop all the products for hockey but make sure they're all better. Like, we don't want to develop a product unless we feel like it's it's better or, or very, very good and it's what the customer is looking for. Like, we don't really want to – prepare ourselves to the competition. We want to create something that the customer is going to want and going to need. Love it. Love it. And so, Scott, uh, final words for kind of our listeners from business perspective, what would you kind of leave them with on running their business and trying to make it grow for themselves? It, the amount of time you got to put in, it, if, if you're going to be an entrepreneur and you want to grow a business, don't expect to work 40-hour weeks. Expect to work 80-hour weeks and make sure you got someone at home that can support that that type of lifestyle. And, and you, you, you stand a much better chance of being successful if you can put the time in. That's awesome. Scott, thanks for taking the time today and joining me on the show. Great insight, huge value, and to me, an amazing Canadian story. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Your Business Matters Show, a production of Be Your Best Today. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave a review and subscribe. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube, and we'll catch you next time.